You're listening to the Namaste Babe podcast, a high vibe hangout for the spiritually woke woman ready to make quantum leaps in her life, business, and bank account. I'm your host, Kiki Yura, and I refuse to play by the rules. I'm an X9 to Fiber turned spiritual life and business coach, master NLP practitioner, and founder of the Namaste Babe brand. I'm here to lead you into your divinity so you can manifest a life and business you are wildly obsessed with. Each week, you can expect episodes from myself and guest experts who are leaders in their field. The episodes are dedicated to your expansion on all things mindset, money, and manifestation. It is my intention that these episodes help you raise your vibration, tune into your truth, and step into a life you fucking love. Are you ready? Let's slay. Hello, friends. Thank you for being here today. So on today's episode, I am really excited and a little terrified, as Jen Sincero calls it, terror-sighted, <laughs> to bring to you guys my story. And in case you missed the last episode, um, this is going to be all about who I am, how I got to where I am today, and really giving you guys the backstory of really like the creation of Namaste Babe and who she is today. So if this is the first time you are hearing me, hello, my name is Kiki Yura. I am a spiritual life and business coach. I am a master NLP practitioner. I am a speaker, a soon-to-be author. Mainly, I am a travel addict. I am like a wanderluster with itchy feet. Um, Travel is my absolute passion as well as being a dog mom, uh, being a personal development junkie. And I am so insanely grateful that I have this opportunity to share my story with you guys, to have this platform. I'm so insanely grateful for every single one of you who is here um, so that I can hopefully make an impact on your lives and really share the struggles that I have been through in order to get me to where it's gotten me today. I really do believe that you choose in your life whether you are going to be the victim of your circumstances or the victor. And I have been through a lot in my life. I have not been here on this earth very long, but in the years that I have been here, um, I've gone through a lot and I'm really happy to be able to share that with you guys in hopes that anyone else who has experienced the things that I have, hopefully this can, this story can really, um, have an effect on you and show you that it is possible to overcome literally anything if you choose to do it, right? If you choose to put your energy and your effort and your intention behind it. Um, the very first thing that I think I ever went through, and I know a lot of people go through this, uh, is, you know, childhood bullying. And in, I'd say probably like the third grade is when I really remember starting to be picked on as a kid. And my last name's Yura. And so when we started learning about the planets and Uranus and all of these things, like kids can be cruel. (laughs) I experienced so many things throughout my childhood. And like the third grade was the very beginning of it, but then it 
progressively got worse throughout my early teens to I'd say teenage years. Um, in the eighth grade, I left the I mean, I think a lot of us go through this where in the eighth grade, especially in Canada, um, that's your final year in elementary school and then you move into high school. And so at that time, I chose to go to a different high school than the rest of my class. I went to a performing arts high school and I got really lucky in that sense that um, I went to school with brand new people, people who I had never met before. I think there were maybe like three or four people from my elementary school who went to this school as well. And it was really a fresh start for me, which I am so insanely grateful for. But even at that point, like I'd say I was probably 15 or 16 and this guy that I had a crush on uh, decided to share this photo that I had sent him through like, I'm sure MSN or something, which for those of you, I'm, I feel like I'm dating myself now, but I sent it through MSN and it was me in like a bikini top and pants. Like it was not provocative. It was not anything crazy. And I remember coming to school one day and as I walked up, I saw these posters kind of like spaced a couple feet in between. And as I got closer, I noticed that it was my photo on those posters. And I had had a MasterCard commercial made out of me. So for those of you who remember in like the early 2000s, there was the priceless MasterCard commercials. And so Someone had taken it upon themselves to write out, uh, you know, belly button piercing, $45, bikini top, $20, eyebrow piercing, whatever, being humiliated in front of your school, priceless. And that was such a mortifying experience for me. And that was like one of many, you know, I had, uh, a girl in my class in like the fifth grade before I, long before I knew what, you know, sexual acts were saying that I had performed one on my then boyfriend. I had been cornered in my, like in the school bathroom in the eighth grade. Uh, I had kids egg my house once, like I ran the gamut and this was before, social media really took off. So I was lucky in that regard that I was never a product of like what kids go through now. But at the time, it was hell. I remember I used to fake sick all the time from school just to get some relief so that I wouldn't have to go and be, you know, mentally and emotionally abused every single day. And it got so bad that at the age of 13, I tried to take my own life. You know, I took a handful of pills and swallowed them and went to sleep hoping that I wouldn't wake up. And luckily I did. And that next morning, I think was really like the, okay, you know what? I'm just going to deal with it. It can't be that bad. And I just kind of stuffed it down. And so all throughout my later teenage years, you know, I went looking for that acceptance anywhere I could find it because 
that was the thing that was missing in my life as a kid is that no matter how hard I tried, no matter what, I was never good enough. I was never accepted amongst the popular kids or even the like somewhat popular kids. Like I was just never enough for anyone. And so when I got into the days of like dating, it was me just trying to find love and acceptance anywhere that I could. And I remember I would like, I became this serial dater where I would just hop from one boyfriend to the next because as soon as I got the acceptance that I was looking for, I would get bored. And then I would move on to the next one and then on to the next one. And then finally, I met this guy in my early 20s who didn't live in town. So it was really exciting because he lived far enough away so that I had my own independence and I didn't really get bored of him. And he actually, he lived in in the States. So it was really cool because I could fly to go and see him. But with that being said, he really ran me through the gamut of emotions. He was very emotionally unstable in his own life. He had had his own problems that I just felt compelled to try to fix. And he began really, um, what is the word that I am looking for? It's a certain word. I'll think of it eventually. But he started using, you know, manipulation tactics to make me feel like I wasn't good enough uh, for him and that I should just bow down and grovel at his every whim and all of these things. And he really was emotionally abusive. And we would go back and forth all the time of on again, off again, on again, off again. Oh, you want to go out and party? Okay. Well, I don't want to be with you anymore. And this is in my like university years where of course, you're going to school and you're out on your own for the first time. And all you really want to do is like live that life of a student and find the balance between school and partying, which of course I didn't. <laughs> but there was this je ne sais quoi that he had about him. And of course he had it because he was manipulative and he knew how to work me and I had no self-worth. So it was easy to do. And he cheated on me. He did all of these things. He made me feel, you know, like he was the only person that was ever going to love me and that I was not good enough for anyone else. And of course he never said these things to me, but that is now looking back how I see he he kind of worked his way into me tolerating all of this stuff for so many years. He and I were on again, off again, like I said, for seven years. And it really just, I am such an independent person that it really just put this damper on who I wanted to be. And I remember the very last time that we did this dance, um, I was in Miami and I wanted to just go. I, first of all, I never cheated on this guy once. And because he had done that to me, he couldn't believe me. Obviously he had trust issues, (laughs) which was the irony in the whole thing. But I just remember the last time I was in Miami, I was with a girlfriend and I just wanted to go and like have a night out. And we were staying in this part of, uh, part of Florida that was called Key Biscayne. So it wasn't even in Miami and we just wanted to go out for one night. 
And I remember that night I was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going. Because like the whole time, all he ever did was try to control me, try to make me stay in, try to make me, you know, just live the way that he wanted me to be in his box, not mine. And I tolerated it for so long. But that night was just like the final straw. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. And when he saw me get my power, it was really threatening for him, I think, in the sense that he had to take it to the next level. I remember him sending things not quite about how he was going to, like he didn't quite say he was going to take his life, but I remember thinking that there was a time where he could possibly harm himself. And that was scary for me, but in the same same moment, I was like, you know what? He's kind of threatened these things before and it's never happened. And obviously you have to take those things so seriously. But I just remember being so tired and so worn down that I just, I said, I can't do this anymore. And it took seven years for me to realize that I was so much better than that. I was so much better than the the control and the manipulation and that love is not meant to be like that. Love is not meant to be fighting and anger and like, I, I can't even explain the right word for it, but just, you know, fighting as much as you're in the good times or having more bad than there is good. Like that's not what true love is, but that's all I ever knew, unfortunately. And so after that, I really kind of went off the deep end in terms of, um, again, like I hadn't discovered personal development at that time. I hadn't discovered spirituality. So when I went back to Toronto, I was living um, as a bartender. I was living with my parents. I had been in the service industry for God knows how long. At that point, probably seven years. I was a bartender for a total of 10 years. And that lifestyle is also something that really can take a toll on you if you are in a big city. And if you have heard me talk about this story before um, on other podcasts, you know, I, I talk about it a lot because that was the lowest point in my life. Um, my manifestation of my own self-worth has taken many forms. It's taken on that emotionally abusive relationship. It's taken on me serial dating. It's taken on me trying to find comfort in food a lot of time throughout university. Like I'm amazed I didn't get scurvy because (laughs) for about four years, I had no idea what a vegetable was. (laughs) And I I ate a lot. I would order, I remember I would order like extra large pizzas and breadsticks on top of it. And if I did not eat the entire thing, I was eating about 95% of it. So it's no wonder that I gained 40 pounds in four years at university because that was also me trying to find that love and that comfort and that acceptance through food because food made me feel good. And then after all of that went away 
and it was just me. It was my bartending days and it was partying my fucking face off after a long bar shift and partying until four, five, six, seven o'clock in the morning and knowing all of the right people and never paying for anything and really just thinking that I'm letting loose when in actuality it was a coping mechanism. It was that next layer and that next level, level of wanting to be accepted. And I had zero, like zero self-awareness when it came to these things. I could not tell you in that moment what I was doing to myself. It was only after I really went down that personal development rabbit hole and discovered spirituality and realized, you know, hindsight is totally 2020. (laughs) But in those days, you know, I, again, I thought I was living the high life. I was in downtown Toronto. I was partying. I was schmoozing. I was like hanging out with actors and models and baseball players and hockey players and all of these things. And I thought my life was so cool because what I realize now is that that was that kind of popularity that I craved as a child. And that was all me trying to appease my little girl and heal my inner child in such a destructive way. And, you know, it eventually got to this point where I was partying and doing drugs by myself. And by partying, I mean, literally like doing cocaine on a random Wednesday night or early evening by myself because I had it left over from the like the last time I I went out which was probably like a random Monday night you know and that's the lifestyle that a lot of bartenders lead and I look back at it now and I just think to myself like it obviously it makes me cringe because then of course um after going out and partying until the sun came up I was in downtown Toronto, but I lived in the West end of the city. So then I would drive myself home. I would crawl into bed. I would sleep all day, get up and do it all over again. And I had to do so much work and so much healing around this guilt and shame that I carried around for so, so long. And I can tell it to you straight now, but even just a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have been able to. There would have been tears and, like I said, shame around this topic because I could have, there is so much that could have happened, obviously, you know, and it's something that I had to spend a lot of time healing and forgiving myself for and realizing that that person is not the person that I am today. And so from there, like that wasn't even the brick wall, right? It was me realizing that, you know, okay, I'm doing drugs by myself on a random Wednesday and then thinking to myself, something's got to give. Like I can't continue to eat the way that I am. I can't continue to party the way that I am. I cannot continue to drink and drive. 
um, all of these things just kind of started compiling in my head. And I remember thinking for years, like, if anyone's going to get cancer, it's going to be me. I remember having such a fear, a straight up fear of cancer, like being terrified of it, thinking multiple times a week, you know, if anyone's going to get it, it's going to be me. If anyone's going to get it, it's going to be me. And then comes May, June of 2015. And I remember I was already in the process of trying to change my life. I started eating better. I started working out. I was applying for jobs out of the city. I applied to work on a cruise ship and got accepted, which was amazing. So then I said, okay, well, I'm going to go and, you know, get all of my medications and whatever, and go for a checkup before I leave. And in that checkup, I remember my doctor just kind of like feeling my neck and she's like, huh, that kind of feels weird. And she goes, okay, I'm going to send you, um, for an ultrasound, nothing to be worried about. We're just going to check and make sure that everything's okay. And then I went for the ultrasound and I will never forget the technician going, (gasps) she gasped. And I looked at her and I was like, what? And she goes, oh, I can't, I can't say. And I wanted to slap this woman right across the face because like, Obviously, if there's any medical people out there, you know that that is not something that you do. Like that is not kosher whatsoever. So that ended up happening. Of course, I knew that something else was going to come of it. So I was prepared when my doctor called and said that I had to go and get a biopsy. And from the biopsy, I was diagnosed in June of 2015 um, with thyroid cancer. And I remember just not being surprised. Like so many people, it hits them so hard. It's so unexpected. It's all of these things. And I just remember accepting it. And I got very lucky because I ended up getting um, a surgery to, to remove the cancer from my body. I had a surgery I had radioactive iodine, which is like a form of radiation, and that was it, and it was gone. And I thank my lucky stars, right? It's been quite the emotional ride ever since, but that, to this day, I say that cancer was the greatest thing to ever happen to me because that was what started this whole train of where I am today. And In that time around my diagnosis, I went out to the West Coast of Canada. Um, I decided that I was going to go on a vacation before I started with the cruise ship. And when I was out there, it was the very first time I had been west of Ontario. And when I was out there, I ended up meeting a guy. Fast forward months later, we um, decide that I'm going to move to meet him and live with him. I'm going to leave the cruise ship. And I ended up moving to Northern British Columbia, uh, which is to put it into perspective, I went from like big city Toronto to very small town of like eight to 10,000 people, Northern BC, which is 
about a four-hour drive away from the southernmost point of Alaska. So I went night today, and it was literally one of the greatest decisions I have ever made in my life because from there... I discovered my very first network marketing company. It was based in health and fitness. And there was like nothing compared to what you find in a big city, like 24-hour fitness, yoga, Pilates, all of the things. There was like nothing out there. So I found these home workouts, started doing them. I started working for the company the month after in July of 2016. And the biggest thing that this company preached was personal development. So when I got a job out West working for a college, it was like my very first big girl, nine to five government job. And the only thing that sucked was that I had to go 45 minutes one way. I had to drive from one town to the next in order to get to my job. So I had a shit ton of time and I discovered podcasts And like I said in the very first episode, you know, I had all of this extra time. So podcasting was like my very first thing, my very first kind of taste of personal development. And from there, I really just dove headfirst into the deep end. Um, I realized very quickly that personal development was the thing that I was passionate about. Spirituality was the thing that I was passionate about. And that is kind of where Namaste Babe formed. I left the first network marketing company. I moved into a personal development and spirituality network marketing company that had just formed in January of 2018. And I was so lucky. I was the 68th person to enroll in that company. And I thought I had it made. So when my contract ended, I worked for um, my big girl job for two years. And when my contract was coming up for renewal, I was like, you know what? I am taking a massive leap of faith and I'm quitting my job. And I got very lucky. I qualified for government assistance for the first year that my my business was in motion Uh, but five months after I quit my job, the network marketing company went under, like completely just shut their doors overnight. And I remember that, you know, Namaste Babe was not even a thought at that point. Um, it was really just, I had like, I think maybe a couple weeks prior had just decided that I was going to offer like one-on-one coaching and, Namaste Babe was not uh, like even a thing yet. I was just leaping into the coaching world and decided that I was going to do one-on-one coaching because it was something that I was so passionate about. Being able to help people improve their lives is really like where my passion lies. It wasn't in selling another person's product. It wasn't in, you know, getting people healthy and fit. It really was taking everything that I had learned over the years and helping people apply it to their lives. So that is where Namaste Babe was formed. Really, November 1st of 2018, I like opened the doors and I just remember when that network marketing company closed, I was wallowing for about 48 hours. I 
stayed in bed the whole weekend because they closed on a Friday. And on the Sunday night, I was like, fuck this. I was like, I have two decisions, I, two choices. I can either stay in this mode and be the victim, or I can decide that that's not going to be me, that I am really going to make this business work because I had no other option, right? Like what was I going to do? Go back to a nine to five? No, thank you. That was just not an option whatsoever. So I remember that Sunday night, I decided, I just decided this is going to work. And I woke up, I think within eight hours of making that decision, I woke up the next day to three people reaching out to book one-on-one consults with me. And I signed my very first client the following day. (sighs) Like that was, I remember just dancing around Josh's mom's house crying after getting off that consult and that girl saying yes. Like that was one of the greatest moments ever. Just like really taking on who I was. It was like the very first time I had ever made my own money, not from like a network marketing company or anything like that. It was just like me. And ever since is pretty much history. Like that is the formation of Namaste Babe. So I really just wanted to share this story with you so that you can understand more about who I am on a soul level, you know, where I have come from in order to where I am to get to where I am today. And in the coming episodes, I am so insanely excited to share with you guys some of the incredible humans who have helped shape my business over the past two years. This podcast launch series is all about um, and really dedicated to some of the badass bosses who have personally helped me on this crazy road called entrepreneurship, because guys, it is a crazy road. And they have all created such incredible businesses and really built them from the ground up, taking charge of their lives, creating their own realities, which you are going to hear in the next episode, all about creating your own reality. Um, And I have been so, so fortunate enough to be able to work with and befriend some of the very best in the online space. And I cannot wait for you to hear from them. So this podcast launch series is really just dedicated to mentorship, to the power of investing in yourself. And I really hope you enjoy it. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please spread all those good vibes by leaving a five-star review, as well as screenshotting this episode and tagging at Babe over in your stories on Instagram. With love and light, the fiercest fuck goddess in me recognizes and honors the fiercest fuck goddess in you. And until next time, namaste.